This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. You may be seated in the presence of God this morning. What a powerful confession to make. People speak about affirmations on a daily basis, but what a powerful confession to make in your life. What a powerful confession. Awesome. Would you this morning help me in celebrating our pastors this morning? Um, I call them the, the um, golden tanned pastors of Impact Church. We welcome you back. We're glad to have you with us this morning. We honor you. I told them personally, I don't know. They tan well. Don't you think so? They tan very well. Right? There's an anointing in that. I have to investigate that. I have to investigate that this morning. We're glad to have you with us this morning. Somewhere in the 90s, after I got out of the military, I technically wasn't out of the military. I was still on TDRL. It's called Temporary Disability Retirement Listing. And in essence, the government says, we have no purpose for you because you're sick. However, we will pay you a check because you're sick. But we're not going to let you sit here because you're sick. So you can go back to the block and get this check while you're sick. Somebody praise God with me. It was an awesome seven years. Hallelujah. I took the time and learned about short-term missions, and I began to get into short-term missions during that time. And there was a time in a previous church where we were supporting a church in the Philippines, and we were going there often, sometimes twice a year, mostly once a year, to the Philippines. And we were going to Mindanao, which is the southernmost islands of the Philippines, um, particularly to General Santos City where there was a um, local church called Hope Church with Pastor Bert Camacho. There was this time after we had been a couple of times and visited, we got a call and said Bert, Pastor Bert Camacho had been assassinated. And we were sitting there shocked, like, what do you mean assassinated? And they said, well, there was an argument over the land. The church had a wonderful um, plot of land that was a compound, and as a result, there was arguments over who owned it and who wanted it back and all of that. And it was strange, but the person walked through the gates of the compound, came to the compound, and shot Pastor Camacho in front of his family and in front of the members that was there. There were staff members that lived inside of the compound. compound and there, were, there was a school and a ministry school, school for young people and a ministry school for ministry leaders throughout the um, other parts of General Santos, other parts of Mindanao, mostly the remote parts, that they would come and they would get training, then they would go and start a church in the area. So at that time, we were praying for Pastor Camacho and Sister um, Norma Camacho because she watched her husband be killed. And she had a church and a ministry that she had to support and continue on, and she was insistent on continuing on and so at that point, we prayed about it, and we were like, we have to go support them. And going to support them, 
Um, that means we had to go to the Philippines, and then going to the Philippines, we were going into a situation. So we prayed about it, and in praying about it, we felt the release, and definitely we needed to go and support the church and support the members during that time just to let them know God is still present for you, and in spite of what's going on, we'll be there for you. So we prayed about it. We had to do some serious heart search. So we had to make sure that all of our affairs were in order because we did not know what we were walking into. So that means as a single man in that time, making sure life insurance was in place, point of contact, all of that. Um, I can't remember if we made contact with the State Department, but um, of course the word got out because you have to remember in, in the southernmost parts of the Philippines, very few have TV. There wasn't strong internet at the time. So to see black people was very rare. We speak rare to the extent that they were like, can I come up and touch your hair if you must? I'm a missionary for Jesus. You know, can I touch your skin? And um, in doing that, the word got out that the Christians from America was coming, the black Christians were coming to support them. And so as we're preparing and as we're getting there, um, I can't remember if it was before we got on the plane or when we landed, but it made it very clear to us, so we're glad you're here. There's a bomb threat. They said this time they're not coming in to shoot. They're going to just come and drop a bomb. And so we were like, okay, praise God. We're preparing for that. And I have to remind you, I'm in my 20s, and I remember the night of the first service. I'm an armor bearer, and I'm a missionary. So the pastor's getting ready. The service is starting. How the compounders work. You all live in the same place that the church is. So you just come downstairs, depending on where you stayed. If you stayed on one side, the other side, you come downstairs, and you walk out. You walk right into the sanctuary. So as pastor, the pastor was getting ready, um, I just had thoughts in that moment. It was dumb thoughts. But again, how old was I? In my 20s. So... At that moment, I had conflict, and the conflict was, so, Pastor, where are we sitting? So if the bomb come, you know, are we sitting? Because I'm an armor bearer. Are we sitting on the front row? Are we sitting outside the blast area? Where are we sitting? Don't laugh. That's where my heart was and what I was dealing with in my conflict. And at that time, he answered, ever so not gracious, a bomb is a bomb, wherever it hit. Wherever we're sitting, we go get hit. And so I knew what I was tasked to do, to come and support the pastor, come and support the local church, and come and be a missionary. And at that moment, my conflict was, yeah, I did say that I want to do this, and I knew I was going to deal with danger, but there was no active threat at that time. So I don't know if my conflict was more that I was ready to be a martyr at 20, or was I just not ready to do what was required of me to be done at that time. And so long story short, we went through the service. I don't remember how I got through the service. Um, they did a, a intense security. They hired security. People were checked at the door. Bags were checked at the door and all of that. And, of course, I'm here. Thank God, because what? There was no bomb, right? Yeah, there, there comes a time when you have this moment of spiritual conflict, Spiritual conflict is not what some people will call like hypocrisy, that I'm living one way or the Bible says one thing. We're talking about spiritual conflict with how do what I believe and what my reality is disconnect. 
Meaning, at that moment, I was 20, and I was on fire for God, and I was sold out for the Lord. But at the moment, I made a commitment and said, yes, I was willing to go and support the church, knowing there was danger. But then when you send a threat, an active threat, and it's not easy to miss black people in the Philippines. We're taller, and we're darker, and our hair is always different. And so it was one of those things like, Lord, we know we're doing the right thing, but how do I live with my reality at the same time, your word and what you say for me? I believe that the, the reason, I believed in the calls that I was sent to the Philippines, that is no doubt. I believed in everything God has said for me to do, but at the same time, I just didn't understand how do I make that spiritual disconnect happen in my life? Because there was that moment. You have them. Whether we honestly with ourselves and admit them or not, we have moments where we're not talking about things are rough, but we're talking about where my spiritual faith, what I believe, and what I've lived on doesn't connect to where my reality is. Not there's no bread in the kitchen. Not I'm running out of gas. Not this light bill is too high. But life in its totality, its reality doesn't match where God says. And so that's where I was. I'll bring it home a little closer. There was this prophet named Elijah, and he was doing a great work for the Lord. And doing a great work for the Lord, we find him in depression up under a juniper tree. And he's up under this tree because he's hot. He didn't ran away from where God told him to do because there's this Jezebel, this queen called Jezebel. In the Bible, we call her Jezebel. In the church world, we call people like her Jezebel up on the street. They just say she's ratchet. She's just one of those kind of women. You with me? And she did some awful stuff. But here is a man of God, powerful man of God, done great things for God. God speak through him. But at this moment, he is depressed and running because he's like, God, why did you call me to this? And then you called me to this. Why did you put me in this situation? And I'm your man of God. Why am I running? Now, God didn't tell him to run. He ran. God didn't tell me to worry about a bomb. I was just scared. So Elijah was sitting at the place where my humanity, reality, doesn't match with the spirituality that's inside of me. Anybody connecting with what I'm saying today? When you have a spiritual disconnect, what is spiritual inside you don't connect with what your reality in life really is. So Elijah's sitting up under the tree, and God is coming to him and speaking to him, and God is saying, ah, that's, that's, you know, you've seen the memes where the lady is saying, He's mine, and the man in the background is doing something real stupid, you know, that would make typically an average person embarrassed, right? And he said, yep, that's my man. I claim him. He's mine. And they're like, really? Because he can't dance. Yeah, I know, but he's still mine. I claim him. God is in the same position where we are in many facets of life where things are not connecting for us spiritually. And as a result, we're not in the place. We're not in the heart. We're not at peace. We're not doing what we need to do. But God is still saying, yeah, that one's mine. Peter Daniel Cunningham Richardson, from the full government name, from Miami, Florida. That one is mine. I, those of you that would be praying for me because you say, he's crazy. God, how do you use somebody like that? God is saying, he's mine. I know. Can I help you with that this morning? Jaira, more than enough. Jaira, 
I am enough. He doesn't disown us. Isaiah, the 26th chapter, third verse says in the New International Version, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Perfect peace, those who minds. And so the, the literal translation could go like this, and it goes reverse. It says, the steadfast mind thou will keep in perfect peace. Because you have a steadfast mind, God is saying to us, he will keep us in perfect peace. But that's difficult, Lord, when what I'm dealing with is not connecting. You know, I go back to my story. I was on fire for the Lord. I wasn't one of those, you know, not somebody new in the Lord, not somebody new in ministry, but I was new in mission work. At that time, in the 90s, early 90s, 0.01 or 0.0, I think it was 0.01% of African Americans were on the mission field, active full-time on the mission field. That was in the 90s. We're in 2021. I'm understanding that there may be 1% African Americans active on the mission field full-time, not doing what I do, two two weeks, like a drill or a month, uh uh-uh, uh, we're talking about staying on the mission field long term. That's what it was. So my heart was, Lord, I want to make a difference. Lord, I want to be a part of the solution. Lord, I don't want to just be someone that supports somebody in missions. I don't want to be someone that said, Oh, that's good. Thank, praise God for them. I wanted to be a part of it, but I knew I wasn't called to full time missions work. So I said, Lord, this is great. This short term missions work. I was in school, so I can go in between semesters, or I could take a semester off and go on a missions field and come back. Or there were even times when I was in Bible school where part of school was being on a mission field. You with me? So I'm saying, Lord, I am in a place where I know where you want me to be, but Lord, this that I've committed to, I don't know if I was drunk with um, gung wholeness. And let me explain that to you. In the military, those of you that's in the military, you know how that works. There's some people that come and talk some great talk about being a soldier. They know how to put the M- the, the, the M16 um, together and uh, break it apart with their eyes closed, blindfolded. They know how to sight everything. But when we go into active battle, they become something very, very different. Any military people say, yeah, say their name. You know who they are. You remember them. I don't care how old, how long it's been. You still remember them because something different from when you say in your mouth what you're going to do and in your mind what you want to do and thinking about. But when the reality hits, all of that soldiering means nothing when you just don't have what it takes. So I had that question to myself, Lord, did I really hear you that you called me out to this mission field? Lord, was I really acting on you when I said, yeah, I'm going to come at 20 years old and put my life in danger because I believe this was for a good cause? Or Lord, I know you have called me to do something and I know you've purposed me for something in my life, but I just don't feel like I am there. I just, everybody around me, all the circumstances around me tells me no. Lord, I keep hitting this door every time, this door, and I can't penetrate past it, but you said I'm supposed to be here, but this door, every time I come to this door, I don't give up easy, Lord, because I know you've called me, but this door, every time. It's called a spiritual conflict. It was when things are just disconnected from what you know God word says, what you know God purposed you for, and what you're dealing with. You get there. That's where Elijah was, the prophet was. He was like, God has called me to some great things, but I ain't ashamed of it. I am not. I'm scared. 
This woman, Queen Jezebel, scares me, and I'm not sure, and I don't know why God put me in this situation. And he went walking for days and days to get away from the situation. And God, you remember, we talked about it last week. It's in the book of Psalms. The scripture says, where can I go when I'm away from your presence? Can I go to the depths of hell and be away from your presence? Can I go to a situation that can put me in a whole nother different atmosphere and be away from your presence? And the Lord says, no, <laughs> wherever you go, I'm there with you. Whatever situation you're in, we's in it together. No matter what door you keep hitting, as you hit that door and that door keep not opening for you, I'm still present there with you. That's what God reminds us. So how do we get to this place that we find peace to trust God in conflict? Because I had serious conflict during that time. How do I get there? And the scripture says here, it's not when I get to a steadfast mind, a mindset that says, no matter what, God is not only present with me, God has sent me here. And can I just break it down, Peter style? I ain't going nowhere. I'll stand, but you're not making much of a difference. I'm going to still stand. But nobody's listening to you. I'm going to still stand. They're about to blow this place up. I'm going to still stand. Things are coming against you differently. I'm going to still stand. Why? Because God has called me. God has sent me. And because he's called me and he sent me, he says, Lo, <laughs> Peter, no matter what, I'm with you always even until the end of the world. So yes, if this bomb goes off, I am with you. My apologies, I got excited. Apologies for screaming at you. I just, it gets passionate sometimes. I'm gonna work on it, but I can't promise you I won't do it again. This is, this is the author of this song, because this is really a song. The writer in his mind was saying in the first and the second verse, he's talking about, look, Jerusalem is a new place. Now things are good. And he's writing his song saying, this is a new Jerusalem. We're fortified. We got walls. Things are good. We're living in peace now. Things are great. And that's how he gets to this part in the third verse where he says he will keep them in perfect peace because things were going wonderful. They were running on what they call a security. They were in a security, security of the unmovable, unmovableness of God. Whatever come, bring it on. This wall, this thing that God has fortified around me, how God has protected me, it won't change. Bring it on. Yes, I know that you know these black people are here to protect this Christian church, but bring it on. Did you know that we learned years later, and if you want to go do the research, you'll be amazed by it. If you go and find out and do a research on Bin Laden and find out where he did his training, the time frame he did his training, we were just some on fire for God, stupid Christians from America coming to General Santos City, Mindanao, where we saw the troops, and they told us that, yeah, whenever we see them, we're going to go on lockdown. I said, what do you mean lockdown? They said, well, when these guys are in the town with their tanks and the soldiers are walking, we're not going to go out. They, don't need, they know that you're here, but they don't need to, we don't need you to be out there. And we're like, we can't go to the mall. We can't go out. I said, no, you're going to stay in. And then it was years later, as Bin Laden came to notoriety, I learned, oh, he was in Mindanao. He was doing his training camp in the mountains of General Santos City. <laughs> Where can I go from the presence of God? 
He's with me always. And all I'm worrying about a bomb, but Ben Laden is up the street. Elijah's worrying about a queen who God created, but God has greater things for him to do. Bring it home, Peter. What is it that God has called, said, purpose, told you to do that you haven't done, and you're worrying about a Jezebel or a bomb in your life? God, give us the steadfast mind. Give us a mindset that says, it doesn't matter what comes my way. God is with me always. So today we want to talk about having peace through tough situations and not giving up before God breakthrough comes. Because why would God be with us if he's going to allow us to just get blown up? I was like, I don't understand, Lord, why you allow this man to die like this so brutally and in front of everyone for your purposes. But God was like, I have a purpose for you and everyone else that was in that camp during that time living through that. I lived through the threat. I fulfilled the purpose of God in my mission there in the Philippines. I lived through Bin Laden. He was in, that, in town that week. And look at what God has brought us today. You with me? Like Elijah, deliverance will always come. God's promise is that. Deliverance will always come. But like my experience, breakthrough comes for us to live today, not just live for today, share the story of God's protection and deliverance. Now, listen, I know we have been in this COVID for a while and things have been a little different, but I'm going to need you to keep your mask on if you wish, or if you don't even have a mask on, don't worry about it. But I need you to look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Come on, come on. Don't give up before your breakthrough. I heard you over there. I'm praying for God's deliverance on your life. <laughs> I heard you. I like it because in the Bible we have these situations over and over again. And in these situations over and over again, there's just one person that the Bible gives us no situation where he ever is never documented where he gave up or he complained. Joseph. I love it because Joseph was, Joseph was like one of those people like, do they even get it? Nobody likes you. <laughs> Why do you keep coming around? Your p daddy likes you. We don't like you. <laughs> Job is one of those people like, oh, I'm just telling you what God gave me and what I feel. We don't care. We don't even want to hear it. But it doesn't matter to Joseph. Joseph was a son to his father, Jacob, in his late ages. And so Jacob was excited about this son. And what he did was he had adult children at the time. But Joseph was his favorite. And Joseph being his favorite, the other grown children didn't like that. Not only did they not like it, but then Joseph, um, Jacob gave Joseph this code that's like, that's because he's my special son. You know, good, well, some parents, I wouldn't say good parents, just some parents, try not to make it obvious who's their favorite child. Everybody in the family can automatically know who their favorite child is, but they never come out and say, this or you are my favorite child. You know, uh, those are the good parents that say, all my children are my favorite that's what parents say. All my children are my favorite. But with Joseph and his dad, Jacob, no, Jacob was very clear. This is my favorite. This is the child of my old age. And Joseph would have these dreams, and he told his brothers about these dreams, and his brothers like, we don't even like you, let alone why would we like your dream? <laughs> Joseph had another dream, and he told his dad the dream, and the brothers like, whoa, 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 bro. It's one thing for us to allow you to diss us, 
because you're our dad's favorite, and so we can't touch you. But, bro, don't come and tell us that. You already told us we go bow down to you. Now you're saying mom and dad go bow down to you. He's like, I didn't say it, just, just what the dream says. And Joseph was just like fulfilling his purpose, doing what God called him to do. It was what we would call a steadfast mind. It's just he looked straight forward and he focused on what God had called him and purposed him to do. You with me? But here's the thing. They did not deal with that very well. So there was plots to kill him. And then plots to kill him twice. Two brothers, Reuben and Judah, said, no, that's not what God wants us to do. We can't do that. Let's not do it. So they tried to hide him. And um, in hiding him, the brothers sold him off to people from Egypt. Sold him off to somebody from Egypt. In selling him off, he went into slavery. In being in slavery, God says, no matter where you go, I'm there with you. The Bible says, and it's very clear in the Bible, that he found favor with God in Potiphar's house. In slavery. Now, I'm going to hit you with something deeper because I want to encourage us to not give up too early. Not only that, the Bible says, because of Joseph being in Potiphar's house, you with me? Potiphar's house was favored and blessings came to it. When you know who you are, Y'all going to make me sing it again? When Jara is in your life, and he's more than enough, and then Jara is in your life, you know you're more than enough. No matter what situation you're in, God will allow you to be blessed, favored, and then bring favor upon that situation. I'm going to mess with you a minute. Just a quick second. Ain't going to take that long. So no matter what your situation is, whether it's home, whether it's work, or whether it's a marriage, no matter what it is, if it ain't what you want it to be, because God and Jehovah Jireh is there and present, say it. Say it loud like you understand. Now, I'm going to heat queued up so you got to know how to say it. Say it. That's it. Now, and because Jehovah Jireh is with you in it, because Jehovah Jireh covers you in it, now you are. That's it. Don't give up before breakthrough comes in your life. Don't give up before breakthrough. So Joseph did what God called him to do. He fulfilled his purpose. He became the head of the whole household because the house expanded. Everything was great there. And then temptation came his way. And because temptation came his way, he didn't give up. He didn't break. He did not fold. He did not yield to a ratchet Jezebel that's everywhere in life. They're everywhere in life. Everywhere. I heard you say it again. Amen. They're everywhere in life. And you do understand that it's just a spirit that, and that uh, people allow to come in their lives and make them ratchet. Jezebel, ratchet, whichever side of the road you want to be on or understanding it. But just live that kind of life. And he stood in integrity and didn't yield to it. But what happens in life when God allows circumstances that look like they're against you? that look like they're opposite for you. He ran, but she kept his cloak. He did the right thing, but she had some evidence on you. You know, I, I'm sorry, I can't help it, but I'm, I'm an urban person, so at least want to be. So here's this thing, you know, they talk about receipts. I got receipts on you. You know, I got evidence on you, or I know what you did, or I got video, whatever. They got receipts. She had receipts, but I want you to know this. God is here to say this morning that he will give you, here, don't give up, regardless of the receipts they have on you. 
That was a good one. Just right there. I'm going to do it one more time. Ready? And five, four, three, two, one. Don't give up regardless of whatever receipts they have on you. God is just simply here saying, I, I understand what may have happened. I understand what the circumstances may be. I understand even when you stood in integrity and they're twisting it around. But he's simply saying, don't give up. For lo, I'm with you always, even until the end. Well, what if that means you go from Potiphar's house to the jail, to prison, to court, to a lawsuit, to a divorce, to your child going against you, to bankruptcy, to losing your job, losing your house. He's always with us no matter what our circumstances are. Joseph went in jail and the Bible says, the Bible says that even while in jail, God gave him favor. They made him in charge of stuff in jail. I got to go because my time is going, but I, I, I need you to be encouraged for this. Now, God will always send a cup bearer in your life. <laughs> See, in Joseph's life, there were two people. There was the baker and the cupbearer that came from the king's house. And the king didn't like something, so they went to jail. They had dreams, and as a result, Joseph gave them the interpretation of the dream. And he said, just do me this favor. Don't forget me when you get out. Tell the king about me. You with me? Baker didn't make it. Never got to, back to the king's palace. But the cupbearer was there. And the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. Can somebody say, don't give up before your breakthrough comes? Forgot about him. But Joseph was faithful. Joseph was faithful and stayed steadfast in what God called him to do. And he kept growing and doing better in jail. But the moment comes that God says, no matter where the situation is, no matter where you are, and no matter how the situation has turned out, I can make a king sleep uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that I will give him dreams that he has to go through everybody in the kingdom and outside the kingdom, from consultant to consultant, to find out how can I get an interpretation of this dream. And God will make the circumstances that no one will be able to interpret the dream. But here we are, that then at that moment, you're a cupbearer in your life, somebody. Somebody that you least expect is your cupbearer. Somebody that you may not even stand may be your cupbearer. Somebody that might get on your absolute reserve, not last, but reserve nerve, may be your cupbearer. And that's the person that God is going to use to get you to your breakthrough. Don't give up before your breakthrough. What you got to understand is there is this thing about this piece. We already understand that first you got to have the mindset in order for God to give us that perfect peace, right? And it builds us to trusting him. But absolute trust in God builds security. You see, I had to come to the place in my walk because that didn't happen while I was in the Philippines in the 90s. But later on in my walk, I built this place where I was like, I absolutely flat-footed understand who God is. I don't care what the circumstances come in my life. I know who God is. Can I tell you a truth that many people don't know? I ministered, I preached, I led for five years in depression. Why? Because I'm going on 30 and I'm not married in a black church. 
oh, y'all going to act like that. Okay. So what happened is there's only a few things that can be said about a person like that. He's gay. Something wrong with him. Or he hiding something. And I'm sitting there saying, Lord, I'm being faithful to you, so I'm not going to chase skirt tails. I'm not going to be a Pentecostal playboy. I'm going to live the life that I need to live. But why am I always helping the pastor at weddings and I'm not at the altar? But every time he needed me, I was there for him. Every time the doors of the church were open, I was the one that opened the doors of the church. Every time the doors of the church was closed, I was the one to make sure the doors of the church were closed because I knew the faithfulness of God. But depressed, you would know it because I wouldn't come in here with a sour face. I'm blessed. I enjoy the Lord, but I have a conflict. How do I understand that God allowed me to live this way? Everybody else getting married around me. I'm not getting married. But I know that I'm fulfilling the purpose of God. Don't give up before your breakthrough. Don't give up before your cup holder come along. Oh, I felt it too. I felt it. My apologies. I told you I couldn't guarantee you. I wouldn't do it. There is peace in committing to trusting God wholeheartedly. Y'all messed me up. I missed the point. So I'm going to just go back to it and close it out. No, it's too late. We didn't hit that, hit that spot there. You, he hit that spot. There is peace in committing to trust God wholeheartedly. I won't do it half-hearted, God. If I'm here and you've called me to this, I believe you for it. If I'm here and you said this is where I'm supposed to go, I'll believe you. I may have wondering questions of where's the perfect spot to sit to avoid what I know is coming to destroy me. But, God, it doesn't matter where I sit. Wherever I sit, you are there. More than enough, somebody. Philippians, the fourth chapter, seventh verses, the Berean study Bible, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, when I don't understand why I'm at 29 and not married yet, when I don't understand why, okay, God, so you didn't allow this thing to blow up in my life in the 20s, but yet I'm here at this place. It will go past all my understanding, but here's the thing that it will do, because I need you to understand that about the second point of absolute trust and God builds security. How do you get security? How do you get that steadfast mind? You have to allow the peace of God to guard your heart, and hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I didn't have it. I'm not going to sit here and fake the funk like, oh, it was great. It happened. It was wonderful. I got great revelation while I was in the Philippines. It happened later when I understood it. And then I was even more of a mess then. You think I'm a mess now? But when I understood who God was in my life and I had an understanding of this relationship I had with him, I knew then that it doesn't matter where God pit take me, from the field to the pulpit, from the pulpit to jail, from jail to wherever, God is with me. Not only is he with me, he got my back. I can't give up. Before my breakthrough comes, the peace of God that will guard your heart and mind. As they prepare and they come, I want us to be challenged by that this morning. God, where is it in my heart that I need to have my heart and my mind guarded so that no one disturbs my peace? God, where is it that I need to be and I have to have in my life where I'm feeling like I'm giving up? And you may have the cupbearer right there breathing on my neck, knowing there's a COVID, not six feet away, but you got me a cupbearer somewhere covering me. The person that's going to be a, 
a conduit for my breakthrough. God, may I not give up before that time comes. Would you stand to your feet with us? Father, we thank you this morning. We honor you because your word is faithful and your word is true. In our language, in our vernacular, your word is absolute. It doesn't change. No matter where we are, from a mountain high to the lowest valley, your word is still the same. No matter where we are in the world, your world, your word is still the same. It doesn't change. Circumstances around us change. We change. Things change. Time change. But your word remains the same. You said in your word, Father, heaven and earth will pass away before your word will fill us. May we understand and know you intimately, not just know you, Father, but know you intimately to that place that no matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstances is, no matter what bomb may come our way, God, no matter how it looks that we may be abandoned, no matter what Jezebel, Jezebel may come in our life, we stand flat foot in who you are. You're Jehovah, Jireh. Thank you, Father. You're more than enough.